Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. Were you ever in marching band? I was not. I was in orchestra, though. You were in orchestra, so concert band is what we called it. Okay, yeah. But uh, tonight I had to watch my niece do marching band. Like, mm. they, it was their first preview, you know, they just got done the band camp two weeks. We're recording it's, this in, no, no, garage band, not band camp. Never mind. What's band camp? Band camp is basically you have to go and do nothing but practice for several hours in the morning. Oh, right. Band and camp. several hours in the evening. It's one time at band camp. Well, that's what they say, but I'm not sure, how, I'm not sure where. And my my dog just opened the door and wandered into the room. Yeah, you said it was closed. She can push it open. She evidently can. She's a good dog, though. She's a good dog. She's a good dog. She's very confused at this point, I think, of what we're doing. I don't think she's ever known what we do in here. No. She's occasionally wanted to be in here, but I'm going to keep all this in. That's my water, dog. Please don't drink my water. Get out of here, dog. But that door is closed. Now she's going to try and go to the other door. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm not keeping all of this in. Now that the dog is gone, we can now that the dog's have gone. a conversation about things other than the dog. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I was just reminiscing a little bit because seeing her, you know, do the marching band thing, because I used to be part of the drum line. And it's, it's like, it allows me to reminisce back to high school times and... One of the few positive memories I have of that era, era. not that I, not, not that high school was horrible for me. The irony there is high school was actually not that bad for me compared to the rest of my school experience. Hmm. But the worst part was just me being an idiot. But that's true of my entire life. Anyways, most uh, us, that's true for most of us. It is a bit of a shame though because sometimes I sit there and I'm watching them and I'm like, oh, their form's not as good. The they had a metronome. They had a metronome to, to help them this time, and I'm sitting there like that. That's what. That's no. That's that's the the drummer drop the drummer drop drop. The I think they call it the drum major. The I drum believe, major is right. the person up front that's doing the counting of time, and it's like you don't you don't metronome you don't do that, and it's it's weird though because like you see all like last year I got to see a bunch of the different other schools compete, and there's a lot more attempts to be flashy. But a lot of the actual complexity of the, the the marches isn't there. It isn't what it used to be. So it feels it feels weird looking back, and okay. it's always going to have that. I, I never wanted to be that old, even though I clearly am. I never wanted to be that old guy that's like, "You were better in my day." It's just you know what part of that is. So kids can't get yelled at because I got yelled at. No, it's the kids. I think kids. I think some of that is all overblown, but. It's what I, when I was playing in various bands, it's part of what I would like to call, I would call the glee effect. Mm. Where if you, where you watch something like glee, and it varies between them doing, you know, like, or a lot of these shows, like high school musical type stuff or whatever, you vary between, you know, spontaneously breaking out into song and then like actual stage performances of what the, you know, that the, they're working on and stuff like that. But all of the production is so good and so flashy again, even if there's not a lot of necessarily complexity to it, it's the production that it creates a higher standard of what people imagine that this is what live music is like. Especially kind when it comes of. to the amount of work necessary to get there. And especially what 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 teenagers imagine that live music should be like, 
if they haven't spent a lot of time hanging out on a local music scene or going to see and you know, anything other than, you know, That might actually arena. be a good point because it's like, think about like Super Bowl live shows and it's right. like, have you ever been to a small concert, like basically a bar with a stage? Have you ever been to a concert? Not the Jonas small? Brothers, you know, no. not um, Ariana Grande or something like that, but just like... Where it's got like, they're paying all kinds of people just to dance in very, very short shorts. Right. And all kinds of this other like flash, like... Where you have like musicians might, who brought their own speakers. And, and might, might, if they're lucky, sharing the same drum set and stuff one, like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that <laughs> and you know, also, where, but like it, it, and so I feel like I wonder if some of the I haven't I didn't watch the performance, but if some of the need to look flashy is is that same effect where where we need to make this more entertaining. Like if this were on a network TV show about high schools in a in a, a marching band, like that. What it would They'd look be like. pulling off all this unreal, this stuff that no right. one really did before, because then it's like one of the things we showed my niece, and this thing's like over ten to fifteen years old by now. You can still find like the marching band. I think it might have been a college marching band that did like music from Ocarina of Time, and they like form the Master Sword. They make it look like a Pona running across, and it's like that's actually some flashy stuff, but it's also complex to do when you're marching. Versus, like, they did, um, it wasn't based on Dante's Inferno, it was some kind of, like, demon, there's, a, like, a demon in every angel or something like that. It's supposed to be about the fall. Um, very, very poor theological interpretation of the fall. But then you have, like, literal gates open, and I'm sitting here, like, Maybe what you should do is have the brass section represent the gates and then you have the color guard spill through as they are forced to march in unison to look like they're opening up. Like that's the kind oh, of thing we would have done. I got you, yeah. That's the kind of thing we would have done instead of having an actual prop of gates that someone pulls open and then the color guard spills through. But it's like, like that would have required, I guess, some imagination. It's like what you say. It's like what would they have on a network television version of a marching band or Pitch Perfect effect too? Like you right. can have that, yeah, kind of element to it. So it's all this sort of, and yet at the same time, like I still watch, and it's great because she is so tiny for her age. Um, like she's always been the smallest kid in her grade. And it's even more so that she's the only girl in the drum line. Um, the other girls are all in the pit, which is all the like the big bass drum, the xylophone, the marimba. Like they don't do the marching, okay. so she's she's got a bass drum. And as soon as she she also dyes her hair, so as soon as they're all marching out, I immediately spot her because you see this like bright green ponytail coming out the hat, and I'm like, that's her. Nice. And uh, and the tiny girl with the big bass drum. Yup. And I do want to get, you know, I do want to do a recording with her one day. I just got to figure out what game slash movie we talk about. Maybe I'll get her on here to talk about uh, Alita. I got it for her for her birthday and uh, she enjoyed it. So maybe, maybe one of these future episodes, you will hear my niece and me talking about a movie or a video game. Um, we can ask her her opinion on, on what better represents the modern feminist ideology, Battle Angel, Alita, or Captain Marvel. I don't even know if she's seen Captain Marvel. I don't think she would care. I was a jerk. I know. I know. <laughs> but I'm just sitting here like, I don't... But that's the joke. 
<laughs> true, true. <laughs> what does a 14-year-old girl care about today? Not, not, not third, fourth, fifth, 80th wave feminism, that's for sure. But anyways, um, regardless of any of that, uh, so what's what's going? What's uh, what are you playing? Speaking of Marvel, I was going to say speaking of Marvel. Uh, so remember last time when we were talking about Spider-Man: Far From Home, and, and what a great future Spider-Man has well, in the MCU, and all the great things not, I want to see him do as the see, leader of the that's Avengers. That's the funny thing. That's the funny thing because if you recall me specifically, I recall you specifically saying. I was really looking forward to the next one until I was reminded that this is part of the greater MCU, and now we have to sift through all that. Um, now you don't. Monkey pawed? Maybe. Maybe. Monkey, yeah, Chris got monkey pawed. Maybe, because I'm. Sony clearly wants to. They don't want to reboot again. They want to keep Tom Holland. They want to keep the same director. Um, and they say they've got the director. Like, it sounds like the only person they're looking on getting rid of is Kevin Feige, the producer for Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that begs a question. Amazing Spider-Man was made with... At, at a time when they were trying to appeal to a specific demographic. The Marvel Cinematic Universe was not as embedded as it was, was it? No, it was... When was it made? It had it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that we're talking about at the latest, was it Avengers? It was before Avengers, or, or around the time of the first Avengers. But it was before, at the very least, the, the momentum on Amazing Spider-Man 2 was too great to have pivoted in the wake of Avengers. Keep talking, I'm checking um, IMDB on my phone. But 2012, so it was four years after Iron Man. Yes, but so roughly, roughly Avengers time, The Amazing Spider-Man came out. Well, that was when everyone was trying to build their cinematic universe, but they didn't really and know what cinematic universe building looked like. They didn't know that, and also at the same time, one of the things that producers did say about The Amazing Spider-Man was they also wanted to try and target the Twilight crowd is what they said. They were, right. and you can see it in that first movie. They're like, trying to make a, a YA Spider-Man. Young adult novel Spider-Man. And in some ways it kind of makes sense to think that way if you're an over overpaid executive, because he's a teenager that's a superhero. So it's like, we're gonna, un we're gonna tap this on tap market. But that's not what, Sp like Spider-Man was never in the young adult vein, even if they tried to give him a sort of um, because the way like it's very clear you're li like just watching the first movie, the way people keep talking, Parker, you may as well be Harry Potter, you know, like <laughs> stuff like that. Um, like even the stinger at the end, you're leaving Peter Parker alone, and it's like, yeah, they're they're definitely trying to imitate Harry Potter in that regard. Right. They were trying to build it that way, and then Amazing Spider-Man two, or like, okay, we're gonna have the greater cinematic universe because we're gonna try and build the Sinister Six. But we're still messing with, like, it was too many ideas. And now, now they've definitely got a template. They've already got Homecoming, they've got Far From Home. And Sony was always taking care of some aspects of this. Sony was never right. hands off. This was never wholly, I think though what it was is they basically foot the marketing bill and some other elements. Well, no, I don't even think that's completely correct. Yeah. Because what the... What, what if, the I, if I recall correctly, the way it works is 
Disney, no matter what, has the merchandising on Spider-Man. And so and what Disney was getting was the the 5% of first dollar. So basically yeah. that opening weekend gross, Disney got 5% of that. Otherwise, Sony was producing the movie under Marvel Disney's guidance and they were allowing Marvel to use Spider-Man in their own movies freely, liberally. So that was that was sort of the the deal. So financially, Disney was not getting a ton out of the Spider-Man movies, other than merchandising and that opening weekend percentage. And they wanted to switch it to a 50-50, is what they wanted. Right. And Sony didn't want that, they, and uh, evidently there was a back and forth of terms. I don't know who was the one denying the other more often. I can't remember that from the news article I read, but basically both Sony and Disney could not come to an agreement. And now Sony is back to holding on to Spider-Man, but they're not rebooting. They want to keep Tom Holland in the director, which means the biggest risk now is what they want to do in regards to Venom and the Spider-Man universe they are going to make without Spider-Man. Because they want, they, they've got all those characters. They've, well, the, the other big issue is whether Tom Holland has one movie left in his contract and then says, peace out. That is actually another good question. Like, do how much longer do we have Tom Holland right. um, in this role? And someone else actually pointed out a good point, because um, a lot of people still view Spider-Man 2 as the quintessential Spider-Man film, with one other exception, which is Enter the Spider-Verse, which was 100% Sony, no Marvel Cinematic Universe right. involvement with that. Like, no Marvel, no Disney yeah, yeah. involvement. And so we do have proof that Sony can make a good Spider-Man movie. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a animated movie that has nothing to do with the current universe. But that's... And evidently Venom was kind of saved in editing in part by this guy who's part of, partially in charge of this deal. Who was partially in charge of... Like, so right. they might have good leaders, better leadership now than they had back in the Amazing Spider-Man days. It, there's so many factors and variables that we can't really know. I'm partially excited, or at least cautiously optimistic, because this means a lot of the stuff that excited you and me about the end of Spider-Man yeah. Far From Home, that I definitely don't want to spoil and then have to go back and edit because I spoiled it. <laughs> no, we wouldn't want to have to do that. <laughs> but we might be able to get that stuff sooner. But you're right as well. It could... like. Who knows what Tom Holland's gonna want to do? And for all we know, like Tom Holland woke up and he's like, "Wait a minute, what? You mean I don't get to hang out like, with like, bit, Thor what? anymore?" Because he's British. Um, sorry. Oi, blimey! Oh, blimey! <laughs> What's this bollocks going on here? Jeremy, I need my tea and crumpets. This is going to be an awfully stressful day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, right. everyone. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. All, to all of our British listeners, that was really offensive. That don't exist. Uh, that, was, that was really highly offensive, and I, I, uh, I apologize Nothing for as offensive was my confusion of Wolfenstein Youngblood, the one scene where the two sisters are like, we're going to go to Paris, and then they start talking like Brits. Like, they're trying to be funny. Like, if there's anything that make you want to never play Wolfenstein Youngblood... I wasn't really even considering it. I've heard nothing good about I it. I played um, 
I played the the first one of the new ones, and I got stuck at some point and just gave up because I don't know, it just wasn't worth it. I but liked anyway, it. It was like it was fun. It was like generally fun. I guess I just wasn't digging the like the story and the aesthetic as much as I thought I might. It had very good production values. And by that I mean it had people that knew how to make it look like a Hollywood movie. I'm not sure I really thought much of the story myself either. And everything I've seen of the second one doesn't surprise me that there's a whole lot of people that are like, Woo, yeah, this is great. Ah, killing Nazis. And yet everything I've seen, it... it as basically, uh, especially after reading Seamus Young's opinions on it, the best I can really imagine is the writer and the person in charge of directing the cutscenes were on two different wavelengths. Where the writer thought they were making B-movie schlock along the lines of Army of Darkness or Evil Dead 2. And the director thought they were making Oscar bait. So on paper, you're reading everything that's supposed to happen and it's like, this is some of the dumbest, most absurd crap I've ever read. This is going to be great. But then you see how it's executed and it's like, people will talk about how ridiculous it is, but you can tell the way it's done. It is completely straight faced. It is not tongue in cheek. It is not self-aware. It is trying to be awesome and meaningful at the same time. And it's it just, just not. And yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I, again, that's, I, uh, I, I haven't played anything other than about maybe 80% of the first one. I didn't get stuck in a combat portion. I got stuck looking for some way to open a, a door. Like <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I quit because it was like... And evidently the second one's not much better with that level design. Yeah, like I, I think if, if I get stuck on a combat on a boss or something like that, I'm very liable to just keep on plugging at it. But when I can't figure out how to proceed in the game, it is more like Even with objective markers. Even with objective markers, it's more likely that I'm just gonna be like, you know what, screw your game. I remember there was a part where it was kind of like, okay, I'm supposed to open this door. Where Where's the way to open it? Like, what am I doing? Like, there was a part like that for me in the first Wolfenstein. But, and I mean, uh, there were a couple parts like that, but there was one where I finally quit. Yeah. And then it was, it was anyway. It, it wasn't a bad game, but I honestly do find that, that it was overrated probably. How do we start talking about Wolfenstein? I made a, uh, you made a reference I, I to it, because we were talking it. British. We were pretending to be British. We were pretending to be British. Because Tom Holland is British. Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Night monkey. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, it'll be curious to see what he does. I mean, he is, uh, unless he's going to try and not be professional and break out of his contract, because he's got to be, the, he's got to be contracted for more films. So He's contracted for one film. One film. One film. And um, then, but then he was also supposedly contracted for multiple appearances in the MCU. So I don't even know how that's gonna work. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So we'll have to see how that looks. This shakes out. I'm wondering. So I, I like obviously Sony wants their money, and it's not a small amount of money. Disney's whatever it was five mer 50, 50. merchandising and five percent of first day is a lot, or first opening weekend or whatever it is, is a lot different than a 50-50 split. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a big deal. That's hundreds of millions of dollars 
on the line over these movies for Sony, but then they have to look at, you know, what's the fan backlash going to be? What does this do to... Well, considering they just revealed Phase 4 as well, and there wasn't a single Spider-Man movie aside from Far From Home in like the three years or so, it is enough to make you wonder if Disney might have been aware this could happen. I, I mean, I'm sure that that's why, is that is that this was happening behind the scenes when Disney was busy not announcing any upcoming Spider-Man movies. And, and so that kind of maybe should have been our first hint is like, where's, where's Spider-Man? I think, I think we all kind of looked at it and said, where's the next Spider-Man? I figured yeah. it will be okay. He's not, he's not like, appearing until the next, uh, the next Avengers, which they yeah, did not is, announce. This is phase, you know, phase four we're in now. And I was, I believe the sort of the, the talk around Far From Home was that Far From Home wasn't a phase four movie. It was an epilogue to phase three. So it would have been kind of weird to not see a Spider-Man movie in Phase Four. Well, that's and well, yeah. And at the same time, I'm looking. I'm thinking. Of I mean, phase we got four. two. We got two Iron Man movies in Phase One. You know, we got yeah. All all of your core characters got a movie in each phase. Um, and so it would just it, well again. We don't even know what this is like. The Phase Four is building up to because they didn't even announce a new Avengers. Yeah, no, this guy. This could go. A, this could go a different way. If, they didn't even announce a new Captain Marvel though, either. No, there's a lot of stuff that's missing from Phase Four. It feels like Phase Four is mostly just introducing new characters with long-awaited sequels. And when I say long-awaited, as in it's just been a while for Doctor Strange. Who else is getting a sequel? I feel like the. Either Thor sequel wasn't was one of the last. Oh, there was a Thor sequel as well, yeah. Um, and I mean, then I think they're talking about like Black Panther two is happening, but it hasn't been like the official title and stuff hasn't been announced yet or any of that. So, huh. I mean, really though, like one with Spider Man out, I have even less interest in keeping up with the next phase of the MCU. I'll be honest, so. That's another reason why I kind of actually don't mind this. I'm, I'm interested. Like Doctor Strange sounds good to me. I'll I'll watch the Thor movie, um, because Chris Hemsworth is the still the best trained golden retriever in the world. <laughs> um, and I, I personally I, I know what I like the arc they're drawing off of for the comics, and I trust Taika Waititi to and make an enjoyable film. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm sure the film be good by, you know, standards. Um, but for me, it's like after 11 years of the Avengers and bu building up to Avengers, building up to Thanos, being done with all that, I now I can't remember. I don't they, know if I want to be getting, on that ride again. I can't even remember what we're getting now. We're getting uh, Shang Chi Enter the Fist or something. Um, Blade at some point. Blade at some. Well, who are the? Um, Dude, that's the. Oh, thing. Eternals. I don't even know who they are. I mean, it could be interesting. Is that a humans movie even going to happen? The one no, that the, the humans and humans are done. Oh no! Wait, the, not the TV show. What was the? No, 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 no. Uh, the the one that 
It was a movie, not a TV show. It was The New Mutants. I think oh, it was yeah, The New the Mutants. Because that was supposed to come out this February, but then it got delayed again. Because it was supposed to come out last year. Yeah, what happened to The New Mutants? Got movie? delayed. It was supposed to come out this year. Got delayed again. Well, maybe, maybe they're just going to be like, you know, after what happened to Dark Phoenix, um, they're just going to be like, eh. Well, that's the real shame of it, bother. because the new the, the new mutants, at the very least, looked interesting, because it's like, well, it's PG-13, but it's going with horror movie vibes. Yeah. A superhero movie with horror movie vibes is actually kind of a, like, and that's what was great at the time, because you're like, okay, Logan, we're going to make a serious hard R film, Deadpool is the comedic hard R film, and now you're going for a PG-13 horror movie. It's like, yeah! Yeah, Fox! Set yourself apart from the MCU. Um, Fox was just bought by Disney. Well, I couldn't... Now, the more... I mean... I... I'm gonna be straight with you. I kinda hate most of the X-Men movies. Well... Other than... First Class is the best one. First Class is good. And the first two, X-Men and X-Men 2, are good. They were good for the time. They were... Right, they were good for the time. First class is good. Um, Days of Future Past would have been better if it was not directed by uh, Brian Singer. Right, it was. And but then X X Men Three is terrible. Everyone knows um, that. The two, the two, the first Wolverine movie is terrible, absolute garbage. Like, I don't know how that. Like, that belongs in, like, the pile of, like, early 90s superhero films or something. Um, like, somewhere next to Batman and Robin. If you could it's, make... No, it's worse than Batman and Robin. It, it really is. Because Batman and Robin is at least kind of enjoyable to watch on your and screen. And the campy level. And, yeah. Um, the second one was, like, okay, this isn't terrible, but it's not good. Um, and then James Mangold and Hugh Jackman finally got to make the Wolfman right. movie they Logan, wanted in Logan. Logan is great. The Deadpool series is is great. I for what it is. Yeah, it's it's fine for what it is. I, I mean, I like the movies. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I like the movies. And it gives you moments like Juggernaut tearing Deadpool in half. That is a just, real Juggernaut. Like a real Juggernaut. <laughs> If anything, that's one of the great things about Deadpool is like, that's like, okay, now we're really going to reboot these characters. This is what Colossus should be like. Right. This is what Juggernaut should be like. Colossus is great. Yeah, they're bringing in Juggernaut. Um, anyway, so like, but I'm the, going to tear you in but two the, now. The core, <laughs> the, <laughs> the core films that were supposed to be sort of holding their thing together... Age of Apocalypse was bad. I haven't seen Dark Phoenix, but Me I haven't heard it. Is, I've I haven't heard, heard a single, single good, good thing. thing about it. So, like, on the one hand, there's a part of me that was thinking for a second, like, maybe what if, what oh. if Marvel had bought Sony Pictures and gotten Spider-Man, and Fox had been, and Fox had rebooted if Fox had stayed uh, while collaborating with Marvel in the way that Sony is doing. If to make better movies. Oh, so, Fantastic. It's not for about the terrible Fantastic no, no, Four No, no, that's the thing. I was going to say, with the, the Fantastic Four reboot, on one hand, if that director wasn't such a jerk, but on the other hand, if Fox had just released his cut of the film instead, because he had good ideas, and I think the first half of the film works, 
Except it's still not a very good Dr. Von Doom. We've well, not had a good Dr. Von Doom be like, and that, like before he becomes Doom. Before right. he becomes Dr. Doom. When he's just a regular old himself. Become, like, why Why do these movies feel the need to tie Doom's origin to the Fantastic Fours anyway? Wasn't it originally tied in the comics? or I'm was he pretty different? sure it's not. He's just like this dictator of a, um, you know, country. I know in, in Ultimate the, Fantastic Four his origin was tied. Yeah, there, so I, I don't I, know. I think that's right. I'm pretty sure in the original he's just like, because he's like. He's just a guy. He's, okay. His whole idea is that he's like. Sort of a, um, you know, if Iron Man takes some strength, some points away from his technology and put it into, like, wizardry, and, <laughs> and that's Doctor Doom. That he's, like, that's that's the original Doctor Doom. Is I actually am not 100% sure of the origin, but I'm pretty sure that he's introduced as he is a techno-mage ruler... Of a small country Eastern in a sort of Eastern country. European former Soviet bloc type country, and he's the dictator. Um, and he's also really smart to the point right. that, like, he'll 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 manipulate the Fantastic Four into thinking they're saving the world from him, and then they just achieve his goals. Right. He's he's Tony Stark, Reed Richards, smart. He but he's technically a villain. Only in that he's not for the good of the world, just for Latveria. Just for Latveria, right. So, and so, like, this is one of those things that, this is one of my superhero movie pet peeves, is there are two extremes that, I think outside of the MCU, superhero movies have tend to go with characters. And that is over-mythologizing or under-mythologizing. Where you take uh, Tim Burton's Penguin, the penguin is a gangster, gangster who has a thing for birds and talks like a penguin, and the, people call him the penguin. Because okay, he, like, he's got a pointed nose, and he's just fat. He's looks, birdy, yeah. penguin-y looking. And, and then the Tim penguin. Burton's got to make him like, mutated. He was a mutant. He was a deformed child who was abandoned by his parents and raised by penguins in the sewers of, of Goth, Gotham City. Or, so or something like... Where you just like carny freak, right? You take this and you've created all this mythology around him that's just unnecessary, and that's what they've done with Doctor Doom in all of these movies. Is I feel like they've they've taken him and created this connection with the Fantastic Four and this mythology around him, where it's just like, just let him be who he was. Let him be a dictator who's a super smart dude who. Also uses magic or don't use magic, whatever. Just make him a super make him Iron science. Man. Make him evil Iron Man. That's yeah. fine. And, and, and well, not even evil. Because, again, that's part of the great thing about him is he's not, like, evil. He's just... He only cares about his like, country. Imagine if Saddam Hussein was as smart <laughs> as Tony Stark. There you go. <laughs> that's Still, it. <laughs> I, maybe I'm misunderstanding Dr. Doom I mean, myself, he's not totally but... evil because he, he can be good sometimes. Imagine... I, I mean, as dictators go, Saddam Hussein is not the worst. He's not, like, you know, Mao or... And now he just got censored in China. Crap. He's not, he's not <laughs> Stalin or something. Like, you know. <laughs> Our podcast will no longer be distributed in China. <laughs> but but you get my point. So, But instead we get this. And anyway, and that's one of the things that I think that the oversight of Marvel has done with a lot of these superhero films. I think even... Um, 
Well, Even for... Raimi's Spider-Man films fell into this a little bit. Oh, very much. With the... Yeah. Raimi... His films were always... His films were a great condensation of 70s Silver Age comics yeah. into... He had a very specific... And so my biggest issue with Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was always that Sam Raimi has certain things that he loves too much. Like Scream Queens. Oh my... You need to have oh. Mary Jane scream like a shrieking banshee because reasons. Doc Ock's wife needs to scream like a banshee right as you see. And he has his cheese too. Like you see the Doc Ock, you know, Ted The creation scenes, of Doc Ock, right. Of Doc Ock, and it's like, this is straight out of Evil Dead. Yeah. And people love that. But to me, it's like, but is it Spider-Man? And that's where I think there's always been the mix. And then you're right. He loves the silver. Even though, even the, his interpretation of Peter Parker was way nerdier than Spider-Man was in the comics. Like, Peter Parker was able to get dates in the comics. Like, he was a nerd, but he wasn't, like, yeah, Revenge like, of the Nerds nerd. And Mary Jane yeah. actually had a personality in the comics, and she had none in his movies. Yeah, so, she was kind of a wet blanket in the movies compared to the comics, or even some of the better, like, cartoon interpretations and stuff. Yeah. So... But but what Sam Raimi's Spider-Man does is you're unabashedly comic book. And right. that's what made those movies so important was being unabashed. Because, like, oh, compared Blade, for to, example. Compared to the X-Men in black leather, for example. Exam yeah, exactly. X-Men always had some level of we need to make ourselves look cool, so we're wearing black leather or whatever this is. We've got to make certain We're wearing comments. costumes that the... the, the um, the cast couldn't even like step over like a small barrier in the costumes because they were. <laughs> <laughs> it looked too Batman. It looked too Batman as part of it. Right. Um, that too. Uh, but then you have Spider-Man's like, oh, no man, we're fully colorful. And again, like something like right. Blade, because technically, if you want to talk like good comic book films, Blade was a good comic book film, but it doesn't feel like it's not a superhero film. Right. Because Blade doesn't feel like a superhero, but he did fit in with that growing era of, like, Matrix, goth urban fantasy that was happening in the late 90s to early, right. a crow kind of stuff. Like, it, it was well-timed. And unfortunately, I'm not sure what to expect from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I just know they got the perfect actor for a new Blade. That's true, yeah. Uh, I forget his name, but he's perfect. Um, Ali is his last name. It was a Marshall, 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 Ali. Marshall Ali or something. Marshall Ali. It's not yeah, that's spelled it, yeah. like that. It's spelled in some way that makes me like, is that really how you pronounce it? But, but no, he's, no, he's he's a good actor. He's good. And that's I mean that's that's been one of Marvel's strong points is their casting. Yes. Is they've cast practically everyone perfectly. I'm looking at you, Natalie Portman. I just <laughs> lost another listener. Uh, <laughs> Because you're you're saying she is cast perfectly? She is not cast. She is not. She is not. Um, which is one of the reasons where it's like, yeah, I don't really well, like. Especially when you uh, maybe maybe it maybe it will maybe with the lead position she'll actually. I cannot. I just I can't imagine. Like, 
Also, I'm not a fan of, of Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, so. But I can't, like, I cannot imagine. You're not a fan of her as Captain Marvel? Not really. I guess I can't imagine Natalie Portman like now they'll, they'll probably differ from the comics here but one of the things they do with the comics is like when she's when she has the hammer she like you know the full armor magically appears on her and she like talks like an Asgardian or we're talking about someone that's like 5'2 maybe right and she's like and presents like she's, I just, I can't, I can't imagine. Whatever happened I can't imagine. to Thor's, Jamie Alexander, I guess she just did her TV show Blind Spot or something like that. Right, Sif, yeah. And Sif, it's like, whatever happened to her, man? Because, like, when you're talking, like, who I, before Gal Gadot, who I would have dreamed to be Wonder Woman, she's like, there you go, it's perfect, like. Like I, I was hoping for her, and I guess, I guess, because she, she, she didn't. Was she in full Ragnarok at all? No. So I guess she's just done with the MCU. Like after yeah. Thor, the Dark World, after the Dark her World, and after brief appearance on Agents, Agents of, Shield, of Shield. Yeah. Like she was just done. She's like, I got my TV show. Bye. And I think so. I feel like, to me, Natalie Portman, and. Brie Larson sort of have the same problem to me and that I see them both as being good dramatic which they good in dramatic are. right which they they're, they're, they can be great in dramatic roles but I don't see them sort of like to to you said Gal Gadot like and maybe they maybe maybe Natalie Portman can change my mind I don't see them Sort of emanating the the sort of the powerful vibe that that's the funny thing because I'm watching uh, watching Avengers Endgame and I was trying to figure out like there's just some kind of like because like, I, I Brie Larson after Avengers looked, Endgame after Avengers Endgame I watched Brie Larson and Kong Kong Skull Island again and that's not like the best of movies nor does it have the best of acting and she and Tom Hiddleston don't exactly have the greatest chemistry. I'm not really selling anybody here. Right. Um, I mean, there's Samuel a, there's Jackson. There's like a 40 foot tall gorilla. There's a 40 foot tall gorilla, but Brie Larson does a lot of the work there really well, and she has charisma. Like, I walked away from that movie and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Right. Where, especially that, like, the, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, especially, you walk away and it's like, Brie Larson. <laughs> you're not wrong. And then you walk away from Kong Skull Island, and you're like, mm, Brie Larson. And then, like, you watch you you watch Avengers Endgame, and you're like, man, that she's got like a two for a charisma score, man. That she's just not so, selling it. And so for me, for so Captain Marvel, I felt like Brie Larson kind of sold the amnesiac alien thing pretty well. I felt like that was, but I feel like when she, when she's Captain Marvel, she just seems bored. Like, I'm so powerful, I could just smash you all, and that's actually kind of boring. But Steve, if you are that powerful that nobody talented you, what do you be bored to? Sorry, I'm the internet, like, making up I'm making up I, It's just, you know, it's like a, you do. 
Like I do, right, exactly. <laughs> but it's just, there's, there's like the lack of charisma, and she just doesn't seem like she's having fun. So that's something Captain Marvel from the comics for me, um, the new version, because there's so many different Isn't versions. that all the new characters, though, just having fun? I feel like that's the whole big thing. It's like we are the literal... Oh, I'm going to get in so much trouble for this. Now we will lose listeners, because I feel like having read, be it Squirrel Girl, what I read of... Uh, Miss Marvel, what I read of Captain Marvel, it it's, does feel all like having it's having so much fun all the time. Yeah, it's like we're self inserts of the reader right now. But like, isn't being a superhero great? But it's even, like, even going back to but her. I like Batman, who is complete angst. <laughs> or I like Peter Parker, where it's all about how being Spider Man's amazing, but being Peter Parker's right. Sucks. There's the, the dual the duality, and um, okay, and, I'm well, actually and, sick of Batman, but 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 well, I, I, yeah. But even even going back to some of the the more the 21st century Miss Marvel stuff, again it, it always felt like like she was having a lot of fun being this superpower cosmic power entity person whatever, um, and I just didn't feel that in in the movie and in either movie that she's been featured in, and I don't think that. I can see Natalie Portman in that. Maybe can, maybe somebody can find a Natalie Portman movie where she's in a genre fiction where she is somehow powerful like that and she seems like she's actually having a good time. But I feel like we're going to run into the same, the same issue where I'm just not going to be able to buy Natalie Portman as like, I've got Mjolnir and I'm going to smash all your faces and save the world see, and this is amazing. This is where I wish someone invested in getting Gina Carano an acting coach. Because as we were just watching some Fast and the Furious movies and in Fast 6, and also we were talking about Deadpool, Gina Carano is in both of these movies. Oh, yeah. And she's passable in her support role in both of them. Oddly enough, I feel like she technically does a better job in Fast and the Furious 6 but I also she think she's fine. got fewer speaking lines. She was fine. In fact. But the thing is, she's got the physicality for that powerful role. That's, that's I think that's what it is, is the physicality. And <sighs> but that's the thing also, I mean, okay, Gina so, Carano, like you look at Gina Carano, she's got a thicker build. Right. Like and a I, lot of it's muscle and some of it is just, she's just a thicker build. But at the same time, because of that, you're like, like when she punches somebody, you're like, oh, I, I buy that. Uh, because yeah. she's a UFC fighter. But that's yeah. the problem, it's like, do we, like, we know Ronda Rousey can't act. Yes, that's true. Gina Carano could act if maybe someone coached her a bit more on it. Possibly. Maybe, you know what, maybe what we need to do is do like we did with Hulk Hogan and The Rock, get someone like Becky Lynch or some of these other WWE wrestling gals, wrestling, and get them because why can The Rock act? Because WWE is I, acting and stunts and choreography. And and no, I love wrestling. I do love wrestling because of the acrobatics involved. But that's the thing. But also that yeah. the physicality of being able to deliver that punch in a believable manner versus like it's like I love Alien Three and I love Sigourney Weaver as an actress. But in Alien Three, when she throws, okay, that's actually going to lose listeners too. It's like he loves Alien Three. Yeah. I love all three of the first movies. I'm sorry, but like when Sigourney Weaver throws that punch, it's like. It looks like a wet noodle. 
it doesn't look like someone that knows how to throw a punch. And this is coming from someone that doesn't know how to throw a punch. <laughs> so maybe that's the problem too. Maybe man. that's the problem. Like, it's like, like you, you, you need someone, again, like Gina Carano, who looks like she could throw. She's fighting or, Colossus, I mean, man. even like, even, um, another example, like, uh, Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. Like, and the funny thing, well, actually, that, that might be where at the same time. And then that's... Because think about Terminator 1. She she's a damsel. She's a damsel for most of it. Yeah, she does kill the Terminator at the end, but her role between one to the other is very different. Right, and so maybe maybe Natalie Portman can pull up. Now, I haven't actually seen Black Swan in its entirety, but I've seen parts of it. And maybe some of that physicality that she demonstrated being a ballet dancer can transfer into physicality in intense action sequences. Perhaps. 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 Um, I mean, really what we know is, regardless, we're mostly going to be seeing a stunt double anyway. I mean... Well, yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, anyway, so, so we got way off track here. Uh, or have we? We just, we're just talking. I mean, this is a grab bag episode. This is a grab bag episode. So, so far we've talked about Spider-Man, Wolfenstein, Marching Band, um, MCU, just Marvel Cinematic MCU Universe MCU casting. Um, that's, just to track back a bit, though, did you ever get to see Venom? I have not seen Venom. I'm, I heard Venom's alright, I need to rent it, because... He, I feel like I heard what, what my, my brother didn't hate it. My brother hates superhero movies now. He did not hate Venom. But what I felt like, what I my impression from sort of consuming a a fair amount of media around Venom is that it's it's got it's like it's a movie for the fans, not for the critics, sort of. And so if you liked. If you've been, if you've liked superhero movies for the last 20 years through the ups and downs, that you'll like Venom. If, you know, you don't really like superhero movies, you only like sort of the MCU, um, high production value, etc. Not high production value, but like the, there's that sort of version of a superhero movie, then, or the Christopher Nolan, whatever, you're not going to like Venom that it's sort of like somebody up the ante. So that's um, a 50-50 for me. That really is like, this could go either way. Right, that's the same thing for me. That's why I haven't gone out of my way to, to watch it. That it's sort of like, it's like another path. If we had gone a different way 10 years ago, this would be what superhero movies look like. That's a possibility. Because for me, the biggest, okay, there's two, there's two selling points for Venom based on the Tom movies. Hardy. Tom Hardy. And that fighting with yourself there's this evil part of yourself that wants to do evil things like eat people people's heads off like i like that conflict mm. i don't like that there's a definitive antagonist in evil guy running a corporation evil white guy runs corporation Ooh, haven't done that before <laughs> like uh maybe it's just getting too real these days uh uh I mean, when Google's the new Microsoft and every part... Even Bill Gates was a better human than whoever's running Google at this point. Yeah, who is running? That's that's the trick, is not getting your, your face out there. That's what Google's up Zuckerberg. to. Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, his, he made that mistake. Now he's got a whole movie where Jesse Eisenberg's off of him. Uh, you know what stinks about also... Because, dude, I wanted to see the art of self-defense, but it's nowhere around here. 
Yeah. Nobody's showing it. And then, like, they got the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, which I watched the Red Band trailer and I didn't feel anything. So that's a concern. But that's even limited I, release. The only thing that has ever stood out to me in... All of the, all of the, the whatever that universe, what the view of universe, view of universe, or whatever it is, is in clerk about Jay and Silent Bob in particular is in Clerks when Jay is like rapping, out <laughs> rapping and pretty noich 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 yeah like smoking weed drinking beer drinking beer <laughs> like okay like I probably know too much of that but. <laughs> <laughs> 15 bucks, little man. Put that stuff in my hand. If that money doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, owe. Like the mother of a time. Oh, we, oh, we, oh. So that's. Sorry. <laughs> that is like. It's Jersey, man. You gotta have that in your DNA. <laughs> that's probably why, because I'm, I'm, we're, we're Jersey here. Um, that is like sort of the one. Which is why that should be in every theater, man. <laughs> right. Jersey. Why is it the Jane Silent Bob? Jersey. Other than that, I'm just sort of like, like, okay, like, you know, the, the one guy basically doesn't talk in, except for to say one very insightful thing in each movie he's featured in. And the other guy talks too much. Yes. And that's... Which is why Jane Silent Bob as the, them as main characters... Gene Silent Bob Strike Back is, in a lot of ways, the weakest of all of his films. That was actually the first one well, I saw. no, Dogma might be, now that I'm an adult, and it's like, wow, this is not only, like, the worst theology, but... This uh, is actually, just, okay, okay, I don't hate that. I, as a, as like a, uh... There are parts of Dogma I still really like, and part of it's because of... Ben Affleck does a pretty good performance in places there. Um, I think what Dogma was the first time for me that I was able to to sort of like take a step back and say, okay, like aspects of this are just like straight up making fun of my religion, but also saying like aspects of this are are touching on the 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 traditions and all of the other stuff that's sort of around religion that like isn't actually like. In, it's, not, it's not in the Bible. It's not like somebody made this up, and then we've just all done it for the last whatever thousand, fifteen hundred years since somebody made this up, and it is kind of ridiculous. And I think yes. the so dogma for me was one of the first times I, I could sort of recognize that. So I I can't hate it for that, um, but maybe you're right. And, I, well, again, like I watched it when I was in high school, and I really liked it. And then you know now that I'm 34 years old, and I'm just about finished reading the Bible and I'm going to start over again and I've spent a lot more time in church and Sunday school and Bible studies and I go back and it's like this is some really like it sounds like the kind of stuff someone would start to think is really smart after they got stoned but again like I was I thought it was clever in high school but there are moments of the movie that I like um, I definitely like Matt Damon's character of Loki. Um, he's very fun in that role. But the, the, when it comes to all of uh, Kevin Smith's films, I still like Clerks the best, honestly. I, you know, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Um, um, Clerks is good. A... Clerks 
2 is also very good. I never watched I, Clerks 2. I think for me, like, Mallrats is an interesting one because it's incredibly quotable and it's him trying to revive that kind of like Weekend at Porky's raunchy teen comedy of the 70s as opposed to what it did become in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And yet it's still, because of that, it's also kind of like just not as good as a film. It doesn't have the same heart. I almost feel like, maybe not. And then Chasing Amy is, you either love it or you hate it. Yeah. I really like Chasing Amy for a lot of reasons, but there's also a lot of reasons where it's like, yeah, I understand why you would hate this. Um, I tried to watch it one time, and I think I made, I actually watched, I think I watched about an hour of Chasing Amy, and I just gave up. The, the irony is some of the movies he made when he was younger do work better when you watch him as an adult than the movies he do, has tried in some ways to make seriously as an adult. What I really yeah. want him to make is he wants to make like some kind of a big two-parter epic movie about like a hockey team or some kind of big hockey event. I can't remember what it's supposed to be. And it's like, make your hockey movie. Make your hockey movie. I want to watch Kevin Smith's hockey movie. And he never gets to make it. I don't know why. It's like, come on, man. I, because nobody wants to watch Kevin Smith's hockey movie. Then those people are jerks. I, I don't even want to watch any hockey movie. Like maybe... The Mighty Ducks! Quack. Quack. You know, Quack. In, in hindsight, <laughs> that movie's kind of messed up. Well, yeah. <laughs> you have a recovering alcoholic of an ex-lawyer. Yeah, in okay. charge of a bunch of kids. Why and, and why does this always happen in these movies that you like, this is your community service, you're gonna coach a youth sports team. Like seriously, do they actually know anything about youth sports? Because most of the youth sports coaches that I've encountered as a parent, like they've gotta go through like six background checks and they need like to pass all oh, these hold on, hold on, hold on. And, But do they have the joke of the league? Are they coaching the joke of the league? That's why it's community service. Maybe. District 5, they don't even have a team name, remember? No, but no, but, oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm, of course, I'm, again, headcanon, I'm making excuses Headcanon, you're making excuses, it's true. It's, uh, okay, maybe there's something a little to it. I mean, it's basically just the Bad News Bears. With hockey. With hockey. But I like it, Goldberg's from Philadelphia. And well, like, Bad News Bear, when did, when did that, like, the original Bad News Bear come out? 70s? Probably before all of these, you know, like, the modern era where, like, coaches had to get background checks and not be criminals and not be on community service and that kind of stuff, you know? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. But now that we've gone way deviated. Way off that. So, basically, Spider-Man. They're going to do something with, like, that's my only concern is this Spider, spider cinematic universe or whatever. I mean, and what do you think? Cinematic uh, spider verse. One thing I wanted to say is that I don't, I wonder, I wonder, is what did Sony think that the fan reaction was going to be? Do you think that Sony anticipated that people would be making um, Spider-Man Homeless is the next movie? Or well, not that, or, and like people be making, what's that petition site? Change.org. Change.org oh petitions gosh. about like sending Look, this back this to the point, MCU. At this or, point, do you think anybody cares? Like, there's a change.org petition. Who cares? Yeah, I know. But 
Do you think like that's the epitome of the Steam group that for boycotting the next Call of Duty? And then the day it comes out, everyone in that boycott group is playing the next Call of Duty. Oh yeah, of course. Like that's I, yeah, and like, all the but you know boycott, boycott Spider Man, boycott Sony, like whatever. But like, I do you you wonder if like what the they knew there was going to be backlash. Yeah, but I I'm going to be cautiously optimistic because as I said, especially given the way Far From Home ends. I'm much more interested in a closed-off universe and seeing where it goes next. I would be... But... I'm not excited to see them try and now use this to kick off. And Venom, especially Silver with Venom. Sable, Black Cat. Yeah, it's like, I don't want... To, I don't... Tom Hardy's Venom, does he belong in this? Does he belong next to Tom Holland Spider-Man? Especially because evidently there's a teaser for Carnage at the end of Venom. I don't know. I don't know if I want that. So, yeah, and, and my, I, my, what I would like, and this probably isn't isn't what's going to happen, is I would be fine with more movies that look like Phase One Marvel movies. Here is a complete standalone film that you need. No external, no, you need nothing else in order to understand and appreciate this movie fully. And here is an Easter egg somewhere in the movie, and here's a teaser, you know, some Easter eggs maybe that connect to other things. And here is a teaser at the end which connects it to a broader group of movies. And so if somehow, somehow, considering that Tom Holland is apparently still contracted to make Marvel movies, if somehow they can make that happen where, you know, they can stick a Nick Fury teaser on the end of Spider-Man, Spider-Man to the third power three. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, get Spider-Man in the next team up movie. That's my ideal future at this point. I'm, I'm okay with it. I might want with you. I, I would like to see, I think Spider-Man Far From Home would have been a better film if they didn't have to dance around the snap and the blip and whatever else. Yeah. Um, in order to make that work. And I, um, yeah, I would, I would like to see where they can go with this without necessarily having Nick Fury there to bail him out. Yeah. Whatever else is going to happen. Um, and I guess we'll see. We'll see. Now, here's a question for you. How close are you to beating Caligula Effect? I'm, I took a break. I was getting, like, annoyed at the mall. Again? Again. Well, the second time through the mall. The mall was annoying the first time. Now I'm back in the mall. And I don't know if this happened to you. I keep on running into this thing where I... Uh, now we're way off topic. You know how when the... We have no topic. The non, not the digiheads, but like the students who have like a certain level of agitation or whatever will then attack you. I keep on running into this thing in the mall where like all the students who are supposed to be in an area start walking in and about half of them are agitated and they all attack me at the same time. Oh no. And I get stuck in these long battles and they're more powerful 
than the digiheads that are patrolling the same area, they're higher level. They're like, the students are like, they're level mid-twenties. Interesting. I, it might be something that they really fixed in, 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 in overdose. overdose. Yeah, it might be better to just play the Switch version. But that's anyway, odd. so yeah, so that's that's been kind of, it's somewhat avoidable, but it's just, it. I did a couple, and I, I didn't die, but I did a couple drawn out battles, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go grind for armor and destiny. So it's gonna be a while before we get to our spoiler cast. Maybe you know, that. maybe I'll maybe I'll get my armor, and then next week I'll uh, I'll finish Caligula. Because you're getting closer. You're getting closer. Yeah, so. I mean, I feel like I, I've gotten some momentum, and, and and all of that in Caligula effect. I'd like to talk about it. I think we could both kind of me having let in with Persona, and you having followed up with Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem. There's some interesting threads, sort of, there might be a stronger thread sort of going from Fire Emblem to Persona, and Persona to Caligula effect, but... Probably. Um, but no, but it, there's some interesting threads that we, I think we can pull on. But um, right now, I'm just... Next time. Maybe On AST. Maybe. Because um, I'm. The time after that. Because I'm still working on Fire Emblem Three Houses and I'm Coming still working soon. on Judgment. Would you stop? <laughs> um, and then I need to. What else am I playing? Oh, Kingdom Destiny. Uh, Destiny. Kingdom. I thought you beat Kingdom Hearts. Well, my children have requested that I go back through and play all of the, like, in between games in the collection. Oh, my god. So goodness. I'm playing Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep right now, which <laughs> actually. I'm, I am sorry to any Kingdom Hearts fan out there. Birth by Sleep is the best Kingdom Hearts game. It has the best combat system, bar none, by far. People might not disagree with you with that. I have to go back and double check. Um, and then, like, compared to... Because I've watched a bunch I've of analysis played, videos now. Uh, and this uh, is... Uh, analysis videos. This, this is the now. third Kingdom Hearts game I've played in the last year. Fourth. This is the fourth Kingdom Hearts game I've played in the last year. Whew. And it is... Like, I love the combat. Whereas, as in the other games, the boss fights either feel like they're way too easy when you spam them with abilities, or they're not fair in their attack patterns. The bosses feel feel fair. Um, they are they have these really great setups where, on your second or third try, you're going to catch the patterns, you're going to catch the dodge timings, and you're going to go from dying to beating the boss without getting hit. And it's a really good feeling and it's really well balanced and I don't know why more of the Kingdom Hearts series doesn't feel like Birth by Sleep. <laughs> uh, it might be fan reaction, who knows? Because um, fans are always weird and the, the Kingdom Hearts fans are very, very inconsistent with each other. You'll have your camps that feel this, like even the reaction oh, yeah, to I'm Kingdom sure. Hearts 3. The reaction to Kingdom Hearts 3 is divided, it feels like. And well then again, it's just humanity in general because you'll find some people that are in the middle. It's like this is a good game, but it's flawed. But then everyone else is like, no, it must oh, suck. Yeah. And everyone, and then you have, no, it must be the most wonderful thing ever. And it's like, gee, I wonder I why we can't actually argue about anything important. Kingdom Hearts Three is really fun, but you're just, the, you're you're just way OP. Like, <laughs> it's you. you clearly, got to play on hard mode. Probably play on hard mode, but it. Yeah. Anyway. And it doesn't, I mean, what it is, and even I've watched some videos of people playing a hard mode, and you can still be severely OP on hard mode, because you can do, the way you can work your loadouts and your buffs, you can like take out four bars of boss health bars in one spell. 
and stuff like that. And it's just like, unless you want to really get into it, that's my feeling on Kingdom Hearts 3. I beat it under level, um, I beat the last boss fight twice under level because you developers out there, if you're gonna make an end game save for New Game Plus, and you wanna make an achievement for beating the game, you put it before the credits. Before the credits, so that if somebody has a random power outage in the middle of the credits, they don't need to go through an hour of boss fights and cutscenes to get back to the credits, to finish the credits, to get their stupid trophy and their endgame save. <laughs> On that note... <laughs> yeah, it's about time we close up, so... Uh... Hopefully, uh, be seeing you sooner with some kind of good content. Maybe another grab bag. We'll see. Because I just, it was good to just sit in here and talk. It was. Just it's have a chat. It's always fun to just to just hang out and talk. And hopefully, you hopefully enjoyed you guys this enjoyed season. it. And you probably, hopefully. Oh, also, I'm quitting my Twitter. Uh, I haven't decided on wow. a date yet, but I'm quitting my Twitter. I will be putting up a Discord. I'll have instructions on how to get into it. Um, which means, Steve, you need to start being on Discord more. Okay. Um, not that like I remember on Twitter. Yeah, you've like, even been on Hangouts even lately. Um, yeah. But we, yeah, I'm quitting Twitter because it's an awful garbage dump of not adults. And He's so, not wrong. So, uh, yeah, um, otherwise just, you know, RamblePack64.com and all that other stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Good night. Have a good night. Drive safe.